Morning everyone, welcome to this week's instalment of Comcast and we're going to be taking a look at Death of a Naturalist by Seamus Heaney today uh, from the WJC Anthology. So first of all, Miss Mustafa, for the title, what sort of uh, impression do you get from that? What sort of uh, image does that create for you? Well, um, he immediately launches into what this poem is going to be about really with the title and he talks about the death of something, he talks about the death of his... Um, his uh, his innocence, in a sense, and his attitude towards his initial attitude towards nature, which was very naive and childlike, and the fact that he was a naturalist or he is a naturalist is that he admires nature. He, you know, he likes you know, he's seeing nature at work, and um, this is about a personal experience that he had as a child, which he try which he wants to convey to us, kind of in a visual and essential way, in some ways. I think as well his use of the indefinite article A in the title suggests mm. it's not just a story that is unique to him necessarily, it kind mm. of is about childhood innocence dying in all children, you know, and as, as slowly as you grow up that becomes a thing of the past. But he certainly draws on, on his own childhood, doesn't Definitely. he, that kind of rural um, childhood that that Seamus Heaney had that he, he uses so often in his poetry um, that he... But Mrs. Mustafa says, saw this at work, was part of nature, in some way similar to the prelude, that kind of mm. comforting reassurance <clears throat> of being a part of nature and that innocence and that joy of it, um, to then, to, to, uh, which is the beginning of the second stanza, then, mm. one hot day, to find that everything that he had known and was reassured by becomes threatening and sinister. Mm. Um, and, and it is, it's that journey, that personal journey, leaving childhood behind and beginning to realise that things change and, and, and sometimes there is a darker side to everything mm, that you don't necessarily see when you're a child. And mm. this is Seamus Heaney beginning to experience that and to feel fear. Mm. I think that's a, another part of this poem, that what what he gets in touch with is fear. Mm. So it begins initially with his uh, sort of childish fascination with the disgusting and sort of very uh, tactile and, and uh, fascinating things such as you know the bubbles and the, the frog spawn the slobber, um, all jelly wonderful, specs. Yeah, lovely yeah. quotations through here. Warm, thick slobber, the gargle delicately, uh, lots of things that he's spotting down there. They laid hundreds of little eggs, mummy frog, and the daddy And the fattening frog. dots. I mean, it's all so innocent and kind of innocuous, isn't it? Mm. It's just sort of friendly and <clears throat> almost like a storybook. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it is. It's really an unpleasant thing to look at, you know, if you think about what he's actually looking at. He's looking at something that's decaying and it's quite. Foul, mm. and but he's he's bringing it to life in a way that, to show his naivety and his fascination with it. Yeah. You know, things that are decaying do look fascinating. You know, the idea of something festering and rotting mm. and gargling is quite vulgar. But he finds the life in that. Yeah. Mm. He finds life in the middle of that, which is you know the naturalist. Yeah. He, he sees the cycle of life and death in that first stanza. But in a real, in a in a sense, without consequence, he sees life, he sees death, the decay, and the the humming and the buzzing and all of that. But yet, he doesn't truly understand no. that cycle he doesn't until know. later on. I think in the first line, we're we're given a hint of what's to come. The word "festered" mm. uh, as part of in the heart in the heart of the townland there sort of foreshadows the way the narrator, the narrator becomes sort of repulsed by nature. And just like the frog spawn becomes the frog, you know, exactly. it's that growth that he, he begins to understand and he grows into someone, you know, and, and we've all seen sort of small children who are fearless, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. You know, and as you grow up, you begin to be much more in tune it's with... Cynical. Yeah, mm. cynical, but also with the realities of the world around you. And mm. that's what he's seeing, the reality of being in this rural kind of 
place and, and living this rural life that he has as mm. a child. Like I've said, you know, Healy really draws on that and, and does that an awful lot. Um, but that second stanza, it's, it's where he sees the reality. Yeah. It was always there. Yeah. It was always there. And the only thing that has changed is him. Yeah, and it makes us, you know, understand that when he takes us into his classroom. When yes. he talks about, you know, the jam potfuls of the jellied specks on the windowsills and, uh, you know, the, the kind of childlike language of the daddy frog and Miss Walls and that kind of monotone kind of... Yeah. But Mr. Rach is right, it's that, that experience is, is universal, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, we've all had that primary school in, in the classroom <laughs> and jam pots and plants and things, you know, kind of great. And, and it's very sort of... That show and tell. Yeah, exactly. But it's universal. We've all been there. Definitely. But then he takes it somewhere slightly different, I think. Mm. I've always thought he's very clever with structure um, in this poem. There's two sort of points I wanted to make there. The first sort of idea is that he uses in the first stanza quite a lot of, um, you know, there's not much in the way of end stops or stopping lines. Mm. You've got just sort of narration in the enjambment, particularly yeah. in line 14 as well. This excitement, the pace in the first stanza yeah. shows that he really enjoys uh, looking at all this nature and then the second sort of structural remark that I wanted to point out is the idea that it has two distinct stanzas that mm. are separated by what can only really be a volta on line 21 the sort of it's quite an abrupt change yes, in is. mood particularly the word in rain and then the end stop there suggesting right then brown, day, brown in rain exactly that, you know it's yeah and it's sort of that again the, the sort of the colors of decay yeah and and, and uh, negative association, but the, the in rain there, and then snapping straight into then. Mm. So it's quite a sudden shift mm. because it is for all it of is. us. We we don't always notice growing up, do we? We always say, oh, suddenly you're whatever age you are, and and uh, yeah, it's quite quick. Yeah, and I think that's true. I, you don't notice growing up. You're totally right. But for I, I, I would argue that for for many children, they could possibly, or many adults, we could look back and pinpoint a moment that somehow had an impact on mm. us. And I think this is his moment. And I and I love that you know the line sort of twenty one, twenty two. The then mm. it happens so quickly. It's like the blinkers have come off. He sees things for what they are immediately. Mm. Um, and it's just that really dramatic moment. Mm. I like the way he's it kind of takes us into the child narrator and then slips us into the realization. So we've got the kind of thinking of the child's mm. innocence, and then he just throws us into the flagstone with the frogs mm. actually croaking, so that we can feel the impact that he felt maybe on that Definitely. day. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah. And there's all of that sound and all of that. What then becomes mm. aggressive language, that military language. Oh, absolutely. Vocabulary changes so much in the second stanza. You said the military language, like invading, you know, and the idea of the, the frogs being cocked like rifles. Absolutely, but mud the, grenades and the noises, the croaking, mm. the bass chorus, mm. like this kind of <coughs> underlying yeah. threat, just. Mm. That again, that I think has always been there, but only yeah. now has he heard it. Yeah. See, what's what was turned from kind of what was sweltering in the sun and rotting at the beginning here has turned into the slap and plop of obscene yeah. threats. Mm. Those onomatic sound, onomatopoeic sounds create that, you know, shock that he felt. Yeah, exactly. The monosyllabic sort of yeah. Mm. And it is showing, you know, that that list of three that you know, mm. I sickened, turned, yeah. and ran. You know, he wants to flee not just the frogs, but this kind of realisation that adulthood has come to get him. Yeah, exactly. You know, he wants yeah. to run away from that as, as far as he can. And, <clears throat> and obviously the frogs are kind of metaphors for just that sense of, 
life is coming to get you. And what I've always found interesting about this this poem is line 32 where he sort of encapsulates a sort of adult tendency to add narrative to <laughs> these sort of situations and the, the sort of adult fear that you get. Uh, with the, the, the great slime kings were gathered there for vengeance, you know, for having been put in jars as tadpoles. Absolutely. Um, I think it's very interesting that, that he picks up on that. As he, he clearly knows people very well. Knows and he understands he understands that coming <clears throat> of age moment hmm. um, and that's you know the gather there for vengeance I've, I dip my hand the, the spawn would clutch it you know there's a real sense of he a fear but of what is he genuinely scared of that's what I always think mm -hmm. about when you get to the end you know the frogs aren't going to get him no you know rationally he knows the frogs are not going to get him but so what is he really scared of does he does he rationally know the frogs not going to get him that's the question okay i think Fit into that this. insecurity exactly and it's that, knowledge yeah it is and it's things when you're young that, that seem safe innocent and safe mm. and, and lovely and then when you grow up they, they got, and that's why he uses the primary school setting is yeah, there anywhere exactly. more innocent and reassuring and comforting and safe than kind of a primary school classroom exactly <clears throat> yeah definitely i think as well it's important to think about the context of the poem heaney himself obviously having grown up in rural northern ireland yeah um, this poem i think was published in 1966 uh, still relatively fresh after World War Two, 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was yeah, an interesting time to be alive. He was probably feeling quite a contrast between his childhood and, and his adulthood for sure. Well, he comes from a farming family and he was yeah. left quite mm. on his own to roam and wander and, and find his own kind of, you know, interests. And, um, and you do get that sense yeah. of kind of a boy just roaming and finding yeah. his mm. own kind of place in, mm. in the world. But that place becomes scary. Exactly. So if we were to choose our three key quotations from Death of the Naturalist, mm -hmm. what would it be? Um, well, I think I would choose, I sickened, turned and ran, because that really is the antithesis to the, you know, to the kind of feelings that he had at the opening of this poem. And that really sums up the title as well, that kind of realization that nature is not as you know in this, you know as beautiful is that the right word mm. beautiful as in as innocent, um, innocent as well. interesting because <clears throat> they are horrific things to explore as well that you have to come to terms with mm. can come to terms with definitely i think for me i would probably have to choose the great slime kings were gathered there for vengeance i've already mentioned it i just think the personification of the the frogs these sort of you know mighty uh, animals in his mind that are somehow threatening, having authority over him as well. Because it's their place, it's their territory, yeah. isn't it? He's intruded, yeah. yes, and true. now they have sort of taken back their territory, kind of keeping with that military aspect. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. For me, I would go, the air was thick with a bass chorus. Nice. I like the way that Heaney uses sound. I think he is so, as you mentioned earlier, so quite central in his mm. language choices, but that to me, that bass chorus, mm. you can kind of hear that sort of frog sound, yeah, croaking, yeah. that croaking, but it's just mm. that kind of, that bass, that deepness, mm. that kind of resonating sound. I think it ties in with the fact that this moment resonates with him mm. to the point that he writes a poem about it. Yeah.
Yeah. Perfect. Well, that is our um, good discussion on Death of a Naturalist, and please tune in next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.